time in worship. We can focus on a few scriptures together. But also, as it is uh, Father's Day, we want to incorporate uh, ideals and scriptures that has to do with that uh, as well. When I think about Father's Day, I think about some of the great dads in the Bible. I think about Zacharias. Zacharias and Elizabeth, the um, parents of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1, 5 and 6. Remarkable godly parents. I think about how God chose Joseph. Joseph and Mary to be parents to Jesus when he came to this earth. What a great man Joseph uh, is and was while he was on this earth. I think about over in the book of Acts a man by the name of Philip who had four daughters, Acts 21, had four daughters. And how he traveled and served and yet was a great father to his daughters. Think about a man over in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, by the name of Stephanus. His entire house was addicted, King James Version says, was addicted to the ministry of the saints. And you have your own list of favorite dads in the Bible. There's a couple verses to reflect upon. Turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 28 for a second. 1 Chronicles 28. Notice what David says to Solomon. Just one verse. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9. He says, And you, Solomon, my son, 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father, and and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. Can you imagine any better instruction from from a dad to a son? You, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Add to that this little statement from Genesis 18. In verse 19, what God says about Abraham as a father. Genesis 18, verse 19. He says, For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has uh, promised him. 
When I think about dads, I think about our current life. Think about our present day. We have memories of dads who have passed on. And they're precious in our hearts. We have dads in our lives who are not in our lives as they once were, but they're still there. Not so much as an authority figure now, but as, as, as a guide, as a friend, as a dad. I think about how many grandpas serve as dads in our current uh, situations and how much sacrifice and dedication they've given to their families. I think about men who may have never had children but who have become mentors to those who are younger because they love God. And today we think about dads who are currently serving in the role of having children at home. And we think about young men who will be dads very soon, one day. And so, with that in mind, I'd like for us to ask this question to begin with this morning. How can a dad teach respect in his home? We'll tackle that question first of all today. How can a dad teach respect in his home? And so let's get started answering uh, that question. First of all, we can do this by insisting that everybody in the house will be helpers. By insisting that everybody in the house will be helpers. There was a young couple several years ago in in their early 20s. and They had a young child, almost a newborn and a baby, but they also decided to be what we call foster parents. And yes, before long, the state sent them four, four children. All of a sudden, they weren't parents of just a little small child. They were parents of four children ranging from the ages of, of 7 to 12. And they arranged a special meal, supper time meal, It was going to be their first meal together as an entire family and they they had a delicious meal and everybody sat down and enjoyed the meal and then the the four older children, after they finished eating, they they left and ran outside and played. And the new mom and dad looked at themselves and said, this won't do. This won't do. So they called the children back in and they said, here's how it's going to be. When you eat, you clean up after yourself. And you're going to learn to clean up after yourself so well that some nights mom and dad's just going to leave the entire kitchen to you. You see, dads teach respect by insisting that everybody in the house, we all help. We all help. We all pitch in in some way or another. None of us are kings or queens. We're all born servants and we will remain servants. The world doesn't owe you anything. 
we say to our children. We are glad that you're here on the earth. We're thankful to be here on the earth. That God has seen fit to put us here on this earth. But we're going to be here as servants and helpers because that's how the Lord would have it. Over in Acts chapter 27, we read of the Apostle Paul as a prisoner. He should not have been a prisoner, but he was a prisoner. He had appealed to Caesar and... He was put on a ship with other prisoners and soldiers and a centurion and they were headed to Italy. Paul had warned them that the the weather looks uh, absolutely terrible but they took off and tried to make their way anyway. The Lord eventually told Paul that you will make it to Italy, you will make it to Rome, you will stand before Caesar but there will be a great loss of the ship but everybody on the ship will be will be able to stay alive. And, and they do. But if you look there at the latter part of Acts 27, you see that as they were able to begin to see this island called Malta and make their way there, that basically the ship began to fall apart. And, and the centurion said he wanted everybody to just kind of jump. Anybody that can swim to swim toward uh, the shore. Everybody else grab on a piece of board or a piece of the ship. They all made it to the island they have been out in the sea days and days and days in, in terrible, stormy weather. And they got there on the island. You read about that in Acts 28. And the people on the island, though the people did not know them whatsoever, the people showed great kindness to them and built them a fire. Notice in Acts 28 in verse 3 that Paul himself went out and got a bundle of sticks and put it on the fire uh, himself, Paul pitched in. Now, just think about that. If anyone might have been able to say, look, uh, I can rest. You know, I can let others uh, gather wood for the fire. It, it would have been Paul at this time. Paul did not deserve even to be on that ship. He should not have been a prisoner. He should not have, have had to appeal to Caesar in his case. He had just been preaching the gospel and they... They stirred up the crowd there in Jerusalem and he appealed to Caesar for his freedom. But he should not have to be there. He had been, on, he had been in torrential, stormy weather on a ship. I can't imagine how that would be. And then he went through basically a shipwreck. He's already wet. When they get to the island, it, it begins to rain. But nonetheless, Paul thought it right for him to go out and gather sticks for the fire that would help warm everybody up. And we simply say all that to say we all must be helpers. We want to teach our children respect. That's one thing that we'll do. A second thing that dads can do to teach respect in their home is to show how to properly greet other people, especially adults. To show how to properly greet other people, especially adults. First of all, children must learn to greet, not just say hey or mumble, but rather to be able to look both their peers and adults in the eye and to speak to them. That's a tremendous value for children. It helps them to learn value to themselves. Self-esteem, we call that. To be able to look someone in the eye. But, but children must learn how to do that. Parents must teach them how to greet. They must learn to greet, but then how to greet. How to greet. Notice a couple of uh, phrases with me. Over in 2 Peter 3 and verse 15, uh, 
Peter speaks of Paul. And he speaks of the writings of Paul. You see, some of the apostles in their speeches and also in their writings, uh, their, their writings were already being circulated uh, very early on. And so Peter admitted that some of Paul's writings sometimes was hard to understand until you read it and reread it. But he referred to Paul as his beloved brother. His beloved brother. Now you can go over to Galatians 2 and see how that one time Paul had to withstand Peter to the face because Peter did not act right on one occasion. But nonetheless, Peter, Peter was faithful uh, in, his, in his life and in his uh, teaching and but here Peter is, in spite of all of that, he's referring to Paul as his own beloved brother. It's important how we refer to each other and how we greet each other. In Acts chapter 26 and 25, Paul, before he gets on this ship to, to head toward uh, Rome, uh, he was standing uh, before officials uh, there. Uh, King Agrippa was one, Governor Festus was another, and he told about all his, his experiences and his conversion experiences. And Festus looked at him and said, Paul, you're, you're just out of your mind. I mean, this was, what the truth of, of the gospel was so foreign to Festus that Festus has said, Paul, you're, you're just mad. You're just out of your mind. And Paul said, I'm not out of my mind. I'm not mad. But notice how he refers to Festus. He says, most excellent Festus. Now, Festus had no business detaining Paul. Paul was not, should not have been a prisoner whatsoever, but in spite of that, Paul still refers to him as someone most excellent or most noble, uh, Festus. Just saying this to say that it's important how we refer to someone, how we refer to adults, and children must learn this early on. It teaches respect. It implies authority. Okay. And so, of course, as most of us do, Mom and dad are called mom and dad. Uh, grandparents are called, you know, grandpa, grandpa, or called uh, pop and mama, or, or um, whatever your words are, uh, mimi and, and um, dada. But whatever your words are, all these words are important because it implies uh, respect, respect uh, for them. And when, when, when at church, we need to do like Peter and and like Paul, and refer to our brothers and sisters as, as brother. Okay? If we speak of someone at church, it's very good to say, you know, Brother Larry, or Brother Ken, or, or, or Sister Bertha. It's good to, to do that in front of your children because it shows them respect, and it shows, it shows honor to them. Like many of you, we had, uh, my wife and I, as... When we were younger and in college, we, we obtained friends that really became friends for, for life, and they still are. And we had one of those friends here Wednesday night speaking, Mark Howe, and Mark and his, his wife Marlene have always been around our family here and there two or three times a year. Our girls grew up knowing Mark and Marlene, but they, they knew them as, as Uncle Mark and Aunt Marlene, even though they were not blood, they're not blood-related to us. Still, there always been Uncle Mark and Aunt, Mar Aunt Marlene. My preacher, when I was young, down in Walker County in Curry, Ch Curry Church of Christ, his, his name was Charles Bryan. Charles Bryan. And 
Charles sometimes would come to our family gatherings, and he was always Brother Charles. Brother Charles. Always Brother Charles. We didn't call him Brother Charles. I don't think our parents, my uncle, or my parents called him Brother Charles in a, in a way of trying to make him some head of the church or anything, but just, it was just a way of showing us respect toward uh, this individual. And so how we greet one another can teach respect uh, in the home as well. And then in the third place, a, a dad can teach respect by being very consistent. Being so consistent to, that in the eyes of your children you're just boring. Okay. This is a good sign. If your children look to you as being boring that means you're doing some good things. Okay. Now, seriously, uh, some parents kind of get, get out of whack on this. They think, I've got, to, I've got to stay young. I've got to stay in the know. I've got to stay on the edge in order to be able to relate to my kids. Wrong. Wrong. That's never been right. Okay. Well, what children need is they need a standard. They need consistency. Toward that standard, our standard is God's Word, and things need to be built on God's Word, and that needs to be continuously consistent. That's the way God is. You look at Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, verse 8. What about James 1, 17? We all know this verse, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. See, God's the same. God, notice, think about all the, this is, isn't this part of our, our tremendous Thanksgiving list that we have and we, and we pray this Thanksgiving list every day to God because things are so consistent. You know, Lamentations 3, 19 to 22 says, the, the blessings of God are, are new every morning. It just keeps rolling. The blessings of God keeps rolling uh, toward us. And it's amazing. God is very consistent. Turn with me to Hebrews 1 and notice this. Beginning in verse 10. Speaking of the consistency of God, but notice how it's compared to the physical world. I'm going to read Hebrews 1 beginning in verse 10. Hebrews 1, beginning of verse 10. And you, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And, and you laid the heavens, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. See that? They will perish, but you, are, you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, Lord, and your years will never have an end. See, the Heavenly Father is consistent. That helps us relate to Him. And so parents, so dad, you've got to be very consistent with your children. Sometimes children will say, well, do I have to? Do I really have to do this? Do we have to do this? And I've heard wise parents come back and say, well, did the sun come up this morning? Will it become night tonight? Will the sun probably come up tomorrow? What's the parent saying? Yes, you've got to do this. Every time you've got to do this. There's, there's, no, 
There's no exceptions to this. You must do this. This will be the standard in our house, no matter what. A dad must be so consistent that, that the children learn the rules and are able to re- relate the rules uh, to other people. There, there was this uh, baseball team, and they were all on the bench, and, and the coach was about to come in and, and talk to them. There was a new kid on the team, and they were all talking, you know, jabbering on, and, and the new kid uh, just suddenly said, uh, Shut up! Shut up! And the whole team got silent and looked at him. And he looked at them and said, What? What? He didn't have a clue. The team said, um, That's a team rule. You don't use that, those words on this team. You see, the coach had been so consistent that the team members knew the rules and knew how to relate it and were glad to relate it. Also, that coach had two other rules. He said, you always say yes, sir, or no, sir. And you never, you never laughed at someone else when they make a mistake. Okay. So he had three basic rules. Yes, sir, no, sir. You don't laugh at other people. And you never use the phrase, uh, shut up. He's very consistent. Did you know there are in some homes that a five-year-old is actually dictating what the next move is going to be? Folks, that is not good for the five-year-old. It's not good for anyone. Dad must be very consistent. And then, to teach respect, we've got to be creative with our punishment. For some modern parents, to use the word punishment in relation to their children makes them nervous. But it shouldn't. We shouldn't at all. We're, all. we're all human beings. God knew that we would need, we would need punishment because He knew that we would need discipline. Okay. Now, notice a couple of passages from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 22, verse 15 says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction or discipline will drive it far from him. Correction. Discipline will drive it far from him. In the big picture, think about how that the nation of Judah, Old Testament times, was taken away into Babylonian captivity. They were warned about this, but they had gotten into the land and they had turned to idolatry. They were taken to Babylon for 70 years. When they came back, the, the, the captivity, captivity had driven away the idolatry. There was no more idols among the, the inhabitants and the people of Judah. It drove it out of them. And so does discipline for our children. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but, but correction will drive it from them. Proverbs uh, twenty two fifteen. also Proverbs 29, 15. 29, uh, 15 says... That the, the rod and reproof will give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Notice that from chapter 29 and verse 15. The rod and reproof will bring wisdom, 
But a child left to himself will bring shame to his mother. Not just shame to his mother, but shame to himself, shame to God, shame to his dad, shame to his grandparents. It's, it's all downhill from there, but correction is the way. If we want to teach respect, then we'll be creative in our punishments. You see, it's been said several times, but children, they want and they need three basic things. They want offense. They know there's behavior out here. They know they want to know where's the boundary, where's the fence. First of all, they want offense. Secondly, they want to know who builds the fence because they want to love and respect the one that builds the fence. They really do. So they want to know who, who builds the fence. Okay. In the home, it must be dad and mom building the fence or everybody's in trouble. And then thirdly, they, they desperately want to know what happens to me when I go beyond the boundary, when I go beyond the fence. If I, if I go into the gate and go, go through the fence, go outside, what happens? If I, if I break the rules, what happens? Okay. Now, for some parents, they're good at setting number one and two, but the third, third part is hard on them. They, they can't bring themselves to, to the correction part. They, they want to build a fence. They want to say, we built the fence, but then they start counting. You know, they, 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 don't, re- they don't really want to give out any punishment, so they start counting. One, two, three, four, five. The kids just love that, yeah. They love to count down, and they know how long mom's going to count to seven, so I'm going to start doing right at six. Okay. Don't count, just do the discipline. Okay. Just, just do the correction. There's a lot of creative ways to do this. A lot of times, it just simply takes a word of disappointment. Just, just to tell them, look, I'm disappointed that you did this. I'm very, very disappointed in you. A lot of times, that's it. That's it. But if you need more, you can take away what they like. And you know what that is. Take away what they like. You can take away their TV. You can take away their phones. You can take away their favorite food. Okay. I heard of one dad... To punish his, his son, his son loved pizza like you wouldn't believe. Pizza was glory day for him. Pizza was it. So he ordered pizza one night, and he, he made his son, as punishment, uh, eat a peanut butter sandwich while everybody else ate the pizza. What a terrible dad, right? Not really. Not really. You think the son remembered that? Sometimes it's just a matter of sitting them down. Yeah, again, it's according to the child. If you have a child that loves to sit, that won't work. But if you have a hyperactive little boy who wants to run like crazy, like most of us are, then it's sitting him down. You know, I heard of one set of grandparents who looked after their children quite a bit. And their, their main correction was the rocking chair. Rocking chair. Even as, especially as the children got older, you know, they got to be six, seven, eight years old, nine years old, ten years old, eleven, twelve, even fifteen years old. Guess what? If you did wrong, you had to sit in the rocking chair, not in the rocking chair, but on grandma's lap in the rocking chair, and let her rock you. That helped. That did it. That corrected it. 
And so be creative with our punishments. And then the final thing we can do to teach respect is to model respect for ourselves. To model that respect ourselves. There's a lot of great dads in our world. And they mean well. A preacher friend of mine told about a dad years ago who, who had built up such a great relationship with his sons, created a lot of activities with them, spent a lot of time with them, taught them how to work and to earn a living. The dad never went to church. Mom took the children to church and dad would use Sundays either to catch up on his work or to do some kind of a fun thing. And when the boys got to be 16 and 17, they also started making that decision, the same decision that dad had made. And the boys got into a little bit of trouble and the dad wondered later, what did I do wrong? Well, he didn't model respect. Most important thing to do is to model that respect. We ourselves must worship God. We ourselves must be in the Word learning about God. We ourselves must be praying to God and praying uh, with our children. We ourselves must be in submission to God. We ourselves must be obeying God. We ourselves must be serving God. We ourselves must be full of good works. Titus 2.14 says, Be zealous of good works. Parents, be zealous of good works. Involve your children in good works. Model respect. This final passage, and we'll, we'll stop here and talk more about dads tonight. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, a familiar passage about parents. Notice, beginning in verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. These words that I command you today shall be in your heart, and then you shall teach them to your children. But notice where they must be first. They must be in your heart first, and then you teach them to your children diligently. We'll talk more about dads and what they can do in their homes uh, this evening during worship. But right now, I think we have seen from God's Word the importance of the home, the importance of mom, certainly, but the importance of of dads as well. It comes down to respect, doesn't it? We long for our children to respect God and respect other people. As Solomon will say from Ecclesiastes 12, 13, fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. If we can assist you this morning with any spiritual need, if, if you feel you have gone astray some way or another in your life, then why not let us study with you this morning, be glad to do that. Pray with you if, that, if that's your current need. It could be that someone is here with a tremendous pushing in their heart 
urging from their heart. They want to be right with God through Jesus. How, how, can I, how can I do that? How can I make sure of that? Well, you know, before Jesus left this earth, He talked about this. He said, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, 16. Later, Jesus will lead Peter to say in Acts 2, 37 and 38, Repent ye and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, can we help you with just simple gospel obedience uh, this morning? Whatever your need may be, will you please make that known right now as we stand together and as we sing?